Welcome back to the Tape Store, everyone. This is Toby. And this is Brooke. We were made in the 80s. And played in the 90s. And this week we are revisiting a film that we've already talked about. Yes, a while back. And this is always fun because, you know, when we talk about a movie or we talk about a show or yeah. some topic, it's really hard to leave it is. that that whatever that, that topic. world or whatever yeah that world perfect <laughs> which is why it's great to be able to go back you know yes. we we did that with labyrinth yes because how could you not with jeff excuse me with jeff so listen to that episode it was great and heck i feel like we could probably talk about the labyrinth again i know, you know? it's just one of those but it's great to be able to know we can revisit because there's so much great stuff in a right. lot in a lot of these stories and and things that we grew up with. And this week, where are we going? We are going to talk about Beetlejuice. Yes, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice. It's showtime. Again. <laughs> yes. No. Uh, seriously, though, it's really great to be able to talk about this again. It was kind of spontaneous. Yeah, it was. You know, because we had a listener, I think, get in touch with us yes. and say, hey... You know, I've been listening to the Beetlejuice episode. The Beetlejuice episode. And I listened to it a lot. And Brooke was like, you know, we haven't... Because we had actually... What's, well, what, the funny thing about that is that me and this person were talking. And she was showing me something of her, some of her stuff that was like cool Beetlejuice stuff. And that day, it was the day we were thrifting. And I happened to have on like my black and white striped Tim Burton shirt. And I had Beetlejuice pins on my jean jacket. So mm-hmm. I was like, oh my God. Blah, blah, blah. And she's like, oh, I've been listening to that episode. And I was like, you know what? Let's, yeah, we should go back. We should talk about it again. We should talk about Beetlejuice. Yeah, and that worked out because we had not yet figured out what we were talking about. Right after two wonderful weeks of being in the world of Hook. Yeah, because I mean, what can, what do you do after that? Really, I, we had we knew we had to do something really different. Right, and I was like, I was feeling. I was like, what's we, we should do something a little spooky, you know? Yeah. But I didn't know what. And then we had this conversation. I was like, oh, well, perfect. We're, yeah. we're good because I mean, I wear I I wear Beetlejuice paraphernalia on a daily basis. As yeah. it is. And so. I loved, yeah, I loved Beetlejuice. I saw the movie as a kid. And, you know, look, I mean, the movie's not really for kids, I would say. But kids in the 80s were always watching stuff that was for adults. That's just how it right. was. Right. Well, it, it seems like, I don't know, you know, we're biased because this is a, right. a, this is the 80s and 90s nostalgia podcast. It seems like the movies and the stories were so much better when we right, were kids, right. which is part of the reason why we want to go back. Some things definitely were better when we were kids, yes. like, like Nickelodeon. Sorry. Like MTV. Like, there's no contest. Yeah, there's no contest. Like, MTV was actually... Well, a it mu- was MTV. Yeah, <laughs> it was actually a music channel. I was just talking to... I think it was talking to Jeff, actually. Yeah. We were, we were having a phone conversation. I said, MTV was better in the 80s. Right. Nickelodeon was better in the 80s and 90s. Definitely. There is no contest. The no. Disney Channel was better in the 80s and 90s. It was. Don't even get me started. <laughs> So I feel like movies and stories were better in the 80s and 90s. Right, yes. You know, when I think about Beetlejuice, I watched that as a kid, and I thought, wow. Yeah. You know, I loved Beetlejuice. He just was so outrageous and funny and unpredictable. Right. <laughs> but what really actually en- endeared me to Beetlejuice as a kid was the cartoon. Yes, which you was know, super cool. Yeah, on Fox Kids, I remember 4.30... On weekdays, yep. I'd get home and watch Beetlejuice. I loved that cartoon so much. Yeah. And that that's another thing that we definitely need to do episodes on. Oh, gosh, I know yeah. we talk about that a lot. Like, oh, we're going to do an episode on that. We, sometimes we, we get ideas well, for episodes while we're talking. Yeah, we really mean it. 
Yeah. Well, there's so, lots to cover. That means we'll always have material. So, so with Beetlejuice, the cartoon, that really made me love Beetlejuice. Yeah. And love the, the whole universe and the story of Beetlejuice. And, and by, by proxy, I love the movie even more. Right. I love what started the cartoon. But, but what I'm saying is the cartoon was a way that Beetlejuice really could be something that kids loved. Exactly, yeah. You know, because it is, it is a story and the themes are themes for adults. Definitely. But I remember as a kid loving it so much, loving Beetlejuice so much that I would get into my dad's closet and he had a refer- <laughs> he had a referee's jersey. Oh my gosh. Yeah, my dad was a big athlete. He was in he was he played like, you know, baseball, basketball, football, all those things. And when he got older, he still remained involved in athletics. Yeah. And one of the things that he did at times was he'd umpire ball games or he'd be a referee for basketball games. Yeah. Well, he had the black and white striped referee shirt. Of course. And I would get into his closet and I'd put it on and I'd go outside and pretend I was Beetlejuice because so cute. that a refer <laughs> like those those black and white striped referees. Oh yeah, I mean that, that's that's the suit. That's like <clears throat> the pattern, yes. you know. These big bold black and white lines, you know. So that's so cute. Which, that was really just a brilliant original design. I don't know what made them think of that yeah. for Beetlejuice, hit that get up. Yeah, well, I know Tim Burton's so visual, so I, don't, I wouldn't, yeah. I mean, I don't know if, I, that's that's something I should look up. I don't even know if he yeah. actually uh, planned that. I would have liked to have known who came up with the idea to give Beetlejuice this black and white suit. Mm-hmm. I don't know, just, the devil's in the details for yes. me. Yes, oh, know? for sure. It, it's That's where a lot of the great stuff is. And I love hearing stories about how those things were conceptualized. At any rate, we talked about, in our first episode about Beetlejuice, which was last year, we talked about the film itself. We went through the whole narrative. Right. We do what we normally, you know, we normally do. Yeah, we went through the narrative. We talked about the movie from beginning to end. And we, we just kind of, as we went through the narrative, we talked about what really jumped out to us. Right. For this episode about Beetlejuice... We're going to talk about kind of the more thematic. We're going to get into and some more ca- character driven. We're going to get some, into some character analysis. The depth that we didn't have time to get into with the first yes. one, we will get into now. Yeah. And plus, since we decided we were going to do this episode, we had some conversations. So, yeah. And, and with that came some really, hey, like, hey, yeah, let's talk about that. Yeah. You know? So thank you to the listener that suggested Beetlejuice yes. or at least or at least led to us suggesting Beetlejuice. Exactly, we yeah. appreciate it. <laughs> the first thing I want to talk about, I think, are the characters in Beetlejuice right. because w- the first thing that I think we talked about when we were talking about, you know, how we were going to approach this episode was is the story really about Beetlejuice? Right. And my first kind of assertion was this is actually is a story not about Beetlejuice. No. This isn't about Beetlejuice. The you know Beetlejuice is just the name of the no, film. No, it's about the Maitlands, really. It really is the story of Adam and Barbara. Maitland. Yeah, yes, because we begin with them. We begin looking yeah. at his model. Like that's that's right. the first thing that we see. Now, eventually, they intersect with yes. the, with the Dietz family, and we see that Lydia mm-hmm. is also another protagonist. It's her story then joins parallel with the Maitlands. Exactly. Well, let's start with the Maitlands, though. Right. Adam and Barbara Maitland are in the the prime of their adult life. Yes. You know, they're in the time of their marriage where they're incredibly happy with each other. Yeah. They 
obviously have plans for a family. Yeah, they they want yeah they want to start trying for a baby, and they're cut down in the prime of their life. You know, by yeah. by something tragic. Yeah, you know they they're in a car accident, mm-hmm. and then suddenly their whole lives are literally yeah yeah <laughs> literally turned upside down in in the sense that their their lives are over, their lives as they've known them it, yeah exactly is over because we're going to get to kind of what I think the message is right. With the Maitlands mm-hmm. and, and what their arc, w- when they complete their character arc, yes, what they what they realize, mm-hmm. but now they have to cope. This is their big challenge. You know, every character, every protagonist has a challenge, right? That they have to get through and really get over. Because you have to think about it. When, when, I guess when I think of a character arc, it's like an arc. Yeah, it's it's going up and forward. Yeah, to something new, and the Maitlands. The challenge that they have to get over and forward mm-hmm. to get to something new, to get to something greater, is they have to cope with the fact that they're dead. And yeah, and how to navigate, right? Quote unquote life now that they're dead. Now, when we, <laughs> when we explain all that and we set that up, it makes it seem like this is a serious movie. Of course, Beetlejuice no. is, is a funny movie, right? But there is some. But even comedies have good depth. No, there, yeah, there is some heart in there, and the reason why that's there is because. You know, Gina Davis and Alec Baldwin, they they play the Maitlands so well. They they gave those characters depth, even though for even though we're only with them when they're alive, their characters are alive for a short amount of time. Oh, yeah. I could have totally bought that. That was a married couple. Oh, yeah. They were like, like, they were like real people. Yeah. They were like it just seemed like they brought like this years of hit. They brought years of history yeah. with them in their portrayal. They just did so well. I mean, Gina Davis and Alec Baldwin are incredible actors. But they they did well together. They did well together, and they they convinced us that man, like we cared about them real quick. Right, that's the thing. Like we really started caring for them really quickly. And even after they die, they they still have this incredible bond. Oh, of no, course, it's they do. So sweet. They're just like, look, whatever this is, and they're cute. Like they're not just. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. There's they're a real couple. They feel yeah. like a real couple that you would know. When they have the epiphany that they didn't survive the crash, they. They stick together even more. Yeah. So it's really wonderful, right? So their story arc, character arc, you know, it begins there. Right. Their real issue is now that they're dead, they realize they can't leave their house. For 150 years. Right. That's a minute. That's a minute. <laughs> and compounded onto that is here comes the Dietz family. Right. And they are not like any other normal family. No. Not at all. The Dietz family actually has some serious issues. They're very problematic people. Yeah. And this is where we see that Beetlejuice is not only not about Beetlejuice, it's about the Maitlands, but it's also about Lydia. It's not even really about the Dietz family. No. It's about Lydia and what she has to deal with being in her family. Yeah. Because where yeah, yeah where where the Maitlands are struggling on how to survive after death, yeah, Lydia is trying to figure out how to survive life. Right, she's exactly. she's genuinely struggling with depression and anxiety, and honestly, she she well, she she's wants to suicidal and, and a little bit after she develops a relationship with the Maitlands. Because look, we've been through the narrative. Because we 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 meet her parents and well, excuse me, we meet her dad and her stepmom, and we're like, oh god. Well, we realize the dysfunction. Yes. So she's in a father. Stepmom situation, and I'm not saying that those are bad situations. No, they can be. 
Right, but, but they, they can, can also, be great or terrible. They can be great or terrible, like anything in life. Right, but dad's obviously aloof. He's not yeah, in dad, touch. Dad's aloof. Charles is completely, played by Jeffrey Jones, completely caught up in his own world. And he has to be that way because if you look at Charles and Delia's relationship, it's all about Delia. Charles is struggling to be or have his own kind of sense of individuality and sense of, I guess, empowerment as a, as a, as a person in his family. Right. In the midst of Delia's insanity. Yeah. Because and he and you get the idea that he it's kind of like he he better appeal appease her or else yeah she I think seems so like, like like I'm gonna like it's fine I'll make him miserable for you right Delia is <laughs> we love Catherine O'Hara and we love Delia in in her in our own way I feel like Delia is like now that you know obviously we're in the year 2021 but I feel like Delia is like a worse version of Moira Rose. Yes. From Shit's Creek. Delia, if you guys watch Shit's Creek, she is yeah, also in that. Delia actually, I would say, is not in a great place as a person. No. She's she now now understand because Charles is struggling to 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 be someone in this family. Yeah. Eclipsed by the again, the craziness of yeah, Delia. Yeah, her, her incredibly strong personality. Yes. <clears throat> he's so caught up in that, he's not paying attention to his daughter. No, and he's trying to. He's also trying to carve a piece of peace for himself. Yeah, by with his in his little study, right? And that exactly the study mm-hmm. is actually very symbolic of Charles and yes. where he's at. He's like, look, just let me have the study. Right. Delia is also incredibly self involved oh, because yeah. all she cares about is her art mm-hmm. and what Otho thinks. And, yeah, and her image. Yeah, which Otho is a a essentially. He's a benefactor of that. Yeah. He lets her know what's important. He lets her know what colors look good. You know, when they go through the house, it's it's Otho and Delia, when, you know, because obviously we know the Dietzes are buying the Maitland home. Right. After they've died. And it's very, like, you know, shabby, chic, like, it's just, you're, yeah, it's, yeah, it's but, not, it's not classy in, in any necessary right. way. Right. As the Dietz family go through, we see that the person making the decisions is Delia and Otho. Yep. And Otho, so now we're getting into, if you ask me, okay, so the protagonists of Beetlejuice are the Maitlands and Lydia. Yep, period. Who, so who, <laughs> who are the antagonists? Well, someone might say, oh, well, it's Beetlejuice. No. No, not quite. Beetlejuice not to is, us. Not to us, actually. I would say Beetlejuice is not the antagonist. We're going to get to Beetlejuice. Oh, 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 of course. Got to save him. I would say if there's any antagonist, it's actually Otho. Yeah. Otho. He's the most problematic character. Yeah, I think he's a major problem in the Dietz family because of his influence on Delia. Yes. Which I, which I think is that she listens more to him than Charles, obviously. Right. She's kind of like, Charles, just stand back and let me yeah, and Otho just, do this. Yeah, just sit there and be quiet. But getting back to Lydia before we even move into right. antagonist territory with Otho, Lydia is basically treading water... And trying to find herself, and trying to define herself, yeah, and trying to find a place of happiness in the midst of a family full of unhappy people, right? Because Delia's not satisfied with her. Oh life. heck no! And Charles really isn't. You know, I think there's hope at the end of the film, which there we'll is. get to. I mean, now let's let's be clear. I adore Lydia's goth queen style, 
You know, right. I wouldn't. I would. I would dare not take that from her. <laughs> you know, no. my whole life is a dark room. I think but, that. But, no, I but think. But the deeper the the deeper issue is, yeah, her style's great, but genuinely, she's very unhappy if and you, she's overlooked. If you're listening to this podcast, and you and you are strange and unusual. Yes, we are. We too are strange. Are strange and unusual. and unusual. But with Lydia, we find that Lydia can see the Maitlands. Yeah, and she's the only one. Because she has a gift. Mm-hmm. And that's amazing to me. I know it's Beetlejuice and it's an outrageous, funny, crazy mm-hmm. movie, but Lydia is an incredibly special person. Yeah. Because she can see the, the average, Beyond. you know, yeah. the, I don't want to say that the average person because I don't necessarily believe in average people. I think right. that every person has something strange and unusual in them that they're supposed to share with right. the world. But Lydia actually has a gift that most people don't have. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And there could be a myriad of reasons for it. It could be because, oh, yes, of course, it's because she just has a special something. It could be her mindset and that her mindset right. is so close to death Possibly. that she could see it. You, that could be one, you know, avenue of that. Or it could, it, yeah. it could just be that she is creative. You know, she's, she's a photographer. Or, she's really creative. It could just be that she's always looking for something yeah, else. There's that. I, or, you know, I, it's, pick your poison. Or it could be that whatever, whatever... Uh, greater power or force that exists in the Beetleju- Beetlejuice universe, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. She was chosen. Like chose her? Ooh, yeah, like chose that. her, okay. right. At any rate, Lydia eventually develops a relationship with the Maitlands. Now, the Maitlands are trying to scare the Dietzes <laughs> out of the house, but they can't do that because the Dietzes are nutty people. Yes, the stuff they do, they're like, whatever. Th- they love it. No, well, they, they don't see it. Well, well, most at first they just don't see right. anything. But when they start, when when through Lydia, Lydia essentially be- becomes this mediator between Charles' the spirit world. Well, yeah, she becomes a mediator essentially between uh, Adam and Barbara, yeah. the Maitlands, and Charles and Delia, the Dietzes. She essentially because she 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 becomes the go between. She basically tells you know the Maitlands like, hey, look, they're not scared. They want you to come out. Meanwhile, Charles and Delia think, wow, not only is this really great, but this could make us popular. Yeah, people are going to love this. This is going to be a tourist attraction. This is something lucrative for them. But the problem is, over time, (laughs) Lydia has developed a real relationship with the Maitlands. In fact, the the Maitlands begin to really almost become like more like her parents. Yeah, they are. Then Charles and Delia, they really begin to nurture her. Right. They they begin to care for her, and Lydia openly admits eventually, like yeah. I want to be like you guys. Want to be I, with you? Yeah. I want to be with you. I want to go over there. Yeah, and that's sad. I know it's sad that because her life is something she'd be happy to leave behind because it's so unhappy, right? And she'd gladly join and be dead with them, right? It, I mean, it, it's it is sad, but it doesn't end sad. No, for, it doesn't for Lydia. So. Or the Maitlands. No. So to get back with Lydia's, what I think that the greatest introduction where she that she says about herself is, yeah. I too am strange and unusual. I think for Lydia, it's, yes, you are. And we all need that. The world needs that. Yeah. So don't go anywhere. Right. And of course, she learns that from the Maitlands. Yes. It's the Maitlands that eventually convince her, you need to live. Right. Yeah. Now... Let's leave our mm-hmm. protagonists, <laughs> and, and let's talk about if the mo- if the movie's not about Beetlejuice. Now, again, this is 
according to Toby and yeah, Brooke. Right, these are our analysis. If the movie isn't about Beetlejuice, and Beetlejuice isn't the antagonist, because obviously Beetlejuice is the author of a lot of the trouble yes, in the film. absolutely. That doesn't make him the villain. It just makes him Beetlejuice. So, so what is Beetlejuice then? Well, for that, I'm going to <laughs> make a comparison to a movie that came out after Beetlejuice, uh, that Brooke and I love, yes. that, we've, that we've done an episode on, listen to it, Twister. <laughs> yes. So you're thinking, well, what the heck does Beetlejuice have to do with Twister? For one <laughs> thing, I think Beetlejuice is a better movie than Twister. Right. <laughs> now, I love both of those movies, but if, any, if, if I had to choose which one I thought was more well-made, has more imagination, oh, yeah. you know, I would choose Beetlejuice. I'm not taking away from how glorious Twister was. No, we love Twister. We just shared it. in our stories that was the first movie that Toby and I bonded over. But, yeah, but I like <laughs> Beetlejuice more, you know. Right. What I'm saying is... It's better. Was Twister about the tornadoes? Even not, though it was named Twister? Even though it was named Twister? Not really. The Twisters are Twisters in the movie. They're tornadoes. Right. They're just obstacles. What is Twister about? Who? It, it is, is about Joe. It's about Joe. It's about the storm chaser, Joe. Yeah, it's about her journey to understanding who she is. Who and she is. What why, she should be, shouldn't be. And why she's doing what she's doing. Yes, she's a storm yes. chaser. Well, and Bill. It's right, and Bill. Bill. The Twisters serve as the obstacles and the challenge. And, and, the plot, and plot development. And the plot development and the force of nature that they encounter that causes them to, to begin and complete their arc. Right. Right? Finger of God. Yeah. <laughs> but what I'm saying is a tornado is a tornado. It's, right. It's not good or bad. Right. It's it's a it force of nature. Look, let's say a tornado touches down in this remote location where there's no people. Right. It's a tornado. It happened. Right. It's not good or bad. Now, obviously, tornadoes are terrible things when they destroy and cause, you know, the yeah. death of people. I mean, I'm, I'm not downplaying that at no, all. No, 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 no. What I'm saying is... But as a as a... Tornadoes, thing. tornadoes aren't trying to be good or bad. It's a, it's a. They just a, exist. It's, they just exist, and it's a very unfortunate, destructive part of nature, depending right. on where they are. Right. So let's get back to Beetlejuice. Right. right. So we've already established that Beetlejuice, the movie, is not about Beetlejuice, the character. The film is about, as we said, the Maitlands and Lydia. Yes, of course. So what is Beetlejuice? <laughs> Beetlejuice is the force of nature. Yeah slash the obstacle, slash the challenge that the Maitlands and then Lydia eventually encounter that causes them to begin and complete their story arc. Exactly. And now, granted, Beetlejuice isn't bad. He's a little bad. No, like, he, I mean, even the, you know, what's the the lady, the cigarette lady's name? That was Juno. That was you know, played by actress Sylvia Sidney. Okay, Juno. So even Juno was like, don't let him out. Like, he is... He's right. a mess. She de- she, he she, just wants yeah. to do what he wants to do. Right. This, it, he doesn't want to necessarily hurt anybody. Yeah, just, it's, and that's a great place to start because yeah. our introduction to Beetlejuice is actually the commercial where he's just acting crazy. <laughs> uh, yeah. but, but that's what we get. It's like, okay, it's this this crazy dude yeah. who says, hey, you know, I, I'm here to help you. Right, right. Yeah. So, and obviously it's a commercial that's geared towards someone who's dead this isn't something that right. it's not a commercial right. that that you know someone in the living would no. in the living world would see as we see in beetlejuice there's there's a whole other world which right. we need to talk about in a second right so beetlejuice essentially is reaching out to anyone who's dead like hey if you need someone to scare you know someone out of your house or yeah, if you a need poltergeist to, yeah, a poltergeist for hire that's who i am and and he's <laughs> just and it's he's it's wacky it's michael keaton at his finest oh, right yeah. but the real introduction to beetlejuice as far as what he is and who he is and how he is is through Juno. Yeah. She says, stay away from him. Yep. 
She doesn't say he's evil. No. She just says he's a problem. Yeah. And he is. And there's a reason he's not allowed to, because he, he, he was, at one point, he had, like, more clearance to do stuff. Right. And he was himself. Right. So he messed it up. He did. At one point, I, I guess Beetlejuice was good at doing whatever he did. Right. <laughs> you know. But he can't help himself, I'm sure. The problem with Beetlejuice is he's not good or bad. He's Beetlejuice. Right. And he has his own agenda. Now, if whatever you're doing aligns with Beetlejuice's agenda, things are going to be wonderful. Yes, because he'll do whatever he's got to do. He's going to do whatever he's got to do, and if that happens to help you, then of course it's going to be great. Right. <laughs> Beetlejuice is doing the Beetlejuice thing. Yeah. And if you're in his way, <laughs> that's going to be a problem. Right. Because he, so the bottom line is, what I'm saying is, Beetlejuice doesn't care about the Maitlands. He doesn't really care about helping the Maitlands. He wants to help himself. Yeah. So he'll help the Maitlands to help himself. Right. And then when we look at Lydia, so eventually there's this part of the film towards the end where Beetlejuice has this chance to get out. And one way of doing it is, you know, Lydia frees him. Right. And then he and agrees to marry him. So, yes. he, so he can get out. Right. Exactly. He doesn't really love Lydia. No. Beetlejuice wants to get out because Beetlejuice just wants to be Beetlejuice. In the world of the living. Yeah, he's he, wants, he just wants to make some stuff happen, yeah. see what trouble he can get into. Right. It's not necessarily, he doesn't want to necessarily hurt anybody, but if it happened while he was doing what he was doing, he's like, okay. Yeah, mm. yeah. No foul, no, no, you know, no foul, whatever, it's fine. That's what we mean by Beetlejuice isn't the villain. No, he's not the villain. He's, he's just, he's just Beetlejuice. He's just Beetlejuice. Yeah. For better or for worse. He's Beetlejuice. He's like there for him. There, I don't think there is good or bad. There's just no. It's just it's just doing what you want. It's just I do what I want. Yeah, he's very much this because you know, if you watch if you've watched the movie, you see you can't deter him. He could have something terrible happen to him. He'd be like, all right, well, let's keep let's let's see yeah. what what good I can make out of this thing. Right. So let's in a way, going, right? he kind of has a fantastic temperament. In he that. does <laughs> Beetlejuice, and 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 that's I'm glad you brought that up because it's so true. This is where I think this is the more endearing part of Beetlejuice right. that we like is that he's never deterred. Yeah, there's there there is something good to be said, <laughs> no matter how far you have to stretch it of his character in that he just doesn't give up. No, it's not an option. No, it's not. Even at the end of the film, yep. When Beetlejuice, you know, spoiler alert, you know, basically what ends up happening is uh, Beetlejuice is unable to come out. He's, he's thwarted. He's thwarted by the <laughs> efforts of both Lydia and the Maitlands. Right, exactly. And he ends up being consumed by a sandworm, which right. are kind of like these guardians, I think, of like, that's how we saw them. Yeah, because they, they keep the Maitlands from leaving, leaving the house. Right. So because they, what, we, what they see outside of the house is not what we, the living, would see. No. What they see outside of their house is like this crazy... Wasteland. Wasteland with these striped sandworms <laughs> interestingly enough that have stripes very much like beetlejuice's suit right, so it makes right. you wonder if the stripes have something to do with some kind of theme in the yeah or some kind of um hierarchy or i don't know something i don't know it's interesting, interesting. i would have liked to have yeah but the bottom line is one of the sandworms consumes beetlejuice whom ironically had said earlier in the film sandworms you know like you hate them right <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah so one of the sandworms consumes beetlejuice and beetlejuice i guess dies a second time or or maybe just goes or, through a really awkward process like i don't know but he goes through the waiting room yeah like the maitlands went through when they died <laughs> so now right. he's there and he's immediately up to some antic yep. he tries to switch numbers with so the with the witch doctor guy and then he's like oh, oh looks like i'm next like he's just like you know what i just 
he never loses his forward momentum. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think it's that that makes Beetlejuice not a villain, not a good guy, just a force of nature. And fun to watch. It, but what makes him a device in the plot that pushes it forward is mm-hmm. the fact that he never stops being who he is. Right. So he you're, never always, you're always going to have to deal with him. Right. When you look at a story and you look at something that never changes, you know, again, to go back to Twister, mm-hmm. the tornadoes don't have this, <laughs> they, they don't have this character arc. No. They're just showing up. Right. Even in the story of Jaws, I mean, look at the story of Jaws. Yeah. The shark is just being the shark. Right. Now, granted, it's scary and the shark's going after people, but ultimately what the shark is doing is what sharks do. Right. They swim and sometimes they attack people. Yeah. The shark isn't going through a character arc. Chief Brody mm-hmm. and Hooper and Quint are. Yeah. Right? So, not to get too much into other films, but but when you look at these these films and these stories, when you look at Beetlejuice, he's the fuel that pushes the actual characters and the protagonist and the antagonist right. forward. Beetlejuice is the fuel that does that. He's not necessarily the villain, and he's not right. the topic of the film. Right, is what's interesting. He's not the subject of the film. No, but he's the. He's fuel. not, and very. He's. I think. I. Th- I can't remember. I think it's about. It's like a, a total of maybe thirty minutes or twenty minutes. He's in the film. He's not even in much yeah. of the film, but he. He defines I mean, forget it. Forget it. We're, we, right. You know, we all have the, the images of him in our head when we think of the movie. He pushes the story forward again. He does. Yeah. And, and again, the fact that from the very beginning, from the moment we see him in that commercial, yeah, when uh, Adam was calling him Beetlegeist, right. <laughs> to the very end when he was trying to pull some move on the witch doctor by switching the numbers, yep. he is the same. Yes. He is the force. Right. So that leaves the antagonist. Right. Who is the antagonist? If I had to pick one. It's definitely Otho. It's definitely Otho. Otho. He's the only one who's actually doing, for the most part, uh, unprovo- unprovoked, underhanded things. Right. For no reason. Like The big thing that Otho does is, and the type of villain that Otho is, is he's a completely, uh, he's a, I guess what I would call a stupid villain. Yeah, and he's self-important. Oh, he's very self-important. Yeah. But he's a stupid villain. Yeah. Like, let me go back, so let me go back to our, Villain, you know, uh, discussion. Yes, yes, for, yes. For a few weeks ago. The last villain that we talked about on the episode, mm-hmm. which, you know, I'm always looking for excuse for an excuse to bring up Khan. <laughs> yes. From Star Trek 2. Khan is the most, if somebody asks me, who do you think is the greatest villain in film history, I tell you, it's Khan. Mm-hmm. Not the greatest Star Trek villain. He is the greatest villain I've ever seen in a film. He is a brilliant villain. Right. He is brilliant. And what makes him a great villain is the fact that he doesn't see himself as a villain. No, not at all. He, he, no. Now, Otho is the same way. I don't think Otho sees himself as a villainous person. No. But Otho is a villain. And Otho certainly isn't brilliant. He's no. an idiot. <laughs> he's so caught up in his lifestyle. Yeah. And, and his, you know, whatever the heck he spends his time doing when he's not with Delia, <laughs> spray painting colors in her house. Uh. Otho is dangerous because he's stupid. Yeah. He's dealing with something he doesn't understand, and that's the... But the, he claims to understand it, is the issue. That's where the self-important comes in. He's like, oh, yeah, well... well w- one of the main things that Beetlejuice deals with is the bridge between life and death. Yeah. And Otho is dealing with something that is greater and older and much more powerful than he is. Right. So the first thing he does is he takes the handbook that the Maitlands are given when they die, which is the handbook for the recently deceased. Right, which, first of all, that's, you know, obviously we know, oh, yikes, that's that's messing with the other world. But, like, also, he just took something out of somebody's house right. and didn't feel bad about it. 
and he reads probably not the whole thing. No. He nearly, towards the end of the film, at, at the film's climax, you know, what ends up happening is what we mentioned earlier is that the, the Dietzes see an opportunity through, once they realize, after the great Deo scene. <laughs> yes. The, the Deo scene is wonderful because it's just a blast to watch. Yeah. You see, I mean, I love Catherine O'Hara's performance in it. Her, her facial expressions yeah. are just Her physicality, amazing. yeah, her physicality. And it, you know, say what you want about Delia, but Catherine O'Hara is just... She's a brilliant, yeah, yeah. brilliant actress. She just completely gets into that role, and it's wonderful to watch. But it's an, actually an important scene, because this is when the the Dietzes realize, we have ghosts in our house. Yeah. And they decide to try to make it a lucrative opportunity, you know, so they invite a bunch of their, you know, I guess... Wealth, Ritzy friends. Yeah, over to... For, so Otho can use the book to do what he sees as... Um, a seance yeah. of some kind, but what he actually ends up doing is an exorcism, which nearly kills the Maitlands again. Yep. Like for good. But this is where Beetlejuice actually comes in and saves the Maitlands. Lydia, yeah. with with no other options. But by this point, Lydia has has bonded with the Maitlands. Yes. She loves them. Right. You know, she cares about them. And she has no other options. So... <laughs> When you're scraping the bottom of the barrel, there's, there's old Beetlejuice. Yeah, be, there, you know, when there's no other options on right. the table, uh, she goes to Beetlejuice for help. She says his name three times, and of, of course... There he is. It's showtime. It's showtime. And Beetlejuice actually does, in his quest to get out, Yeah, he does save the Maitlands. He stops the exorcism. <laughs> he saves the Maitlands. But again, we don't want Beetlejuice out. No. You know? And you see when Otho is doing this, you know, exorcism, yeah. that even he realizes, like, what have I done? I'm in over my head. But this is what I mean. Because the people we love in the film are the Maitlands and Lydia. Yeah. And and honestly, in the entire film, the one scene that's hardest to watch is when they do the exorcism, you know, and they're in their wedding yeah. suits and, and, and they're dying. And yeah, Lydia's, they're looking thinner and Yeah, and Lydia's and like, you're, you're, you're killing them, you know, and, and Otho's like, uh, and I'm he like. He doesn't know how to reverse the train. Like I know, he's... and that's the was the only time it was satisfying to see Beetlejuice go after people right. was when he <laughs> went after Otho. Beetlejuice is not a respecter of persons. No, he don't he's, care. He just kind of, he's just, he's being Beetlejuice. Right. You know, again, I go back to the Twister. The Twister is not a respecter of what it's tearing up no. in, the, in the film Twister, you know. Beetlejuice is not a respecter of persons. No. He's not gonna. He's not gonna spare anyone. You right. Know, in, in his zany, outrageous, <laughs> you know, quest for whatever it for is, whatever the heck, yeah, whatever exactly. the heck he's going after. But that's, I, I think, that's the best case for you know the best case to be made. Yeah. For Otho being the villain, absolutely. You know, completely unwittingly, but he is the he he, is the he winds up performing that role, and he's enabled by the Dietzes. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. And he is, you know. In the end, of course, Beetlejuice inadvertently saves the day. Right, as 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 is custom. But once the Maitlands are are back to themselves, they have to then the secondary quest becomes okay, now that we're okay, yeah. we've got to stop Beetlejuice. Yeah. Which they do. And now we get to this ending. Mm-hmm, which is so sweet. Which is so sweet. And which I think is is a great way to to, to put a cap on this, you know. And, of course, talk about the completion of these story arcs. Right. And these character arcs. Let's talk about the Maitlands. What have the Maitlands learned by the time they get to the the end of their arc? 
They learn that even in death, they there's still life they have left to live. Yes, they are living an ideal life. They they learn to you know the the humans that, that are alive in the house have learned to coexist. So yes. they have they still can live quote unquote. Yeah, and they and ultimately I mean, you know, we meet them. They want to have children. Yes, and by the end of the movie, they kind of have a child. They yeah. re- they they have this surrogate daughter. In one other writer's character, yeah, and I would argue they are a much better nurturing and yes. caring influence over Lydia, right? Because they're the ones who are like, you need to stay on top of your studies. If you make an A, blah 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 blah. Like they're the ones who are pushing her to do her best. And even when we see Lydia at the end, she looks different. Mm-hmm. I would say with the Dietz family, Charles and Delia. Let's yes, just look at them. right. Mm-hmm. Did they really develop? Did they really have an arc? No. Right. I, I would argue that they're still Charles and Delia. They are. They are. But I think what we do realize, at least by the end of the film, that to their credit, they're the perfect family to be in the Maitland home. Totally. Because they're fine with knowing that there's ghosts. Yeah. They're 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 not normal. They're eccentric. Yes. They're, Charles has his own kind of crazy. Delia has her own brand of crazy. Right. It's kind of a downer to think about it that way. They probably... Like the Maitlands because they keep Lydia out of their hair, to be yes. honest. And sadly. now let's look at Lydia mm-hmm. as a protagonist. She completes an arc. So the Maitlands have completed an arc. Lydia completes an arc. They're static and there's flat characters. And I think every pretty much everybody's a flat character except for Lydia and the Maitlands because they're the only ones who show growth. Right. Yeah. Everybody else is exactly who their cookie cutter meant to be. Yeah. Adam and Barbara, they're different. Mm-hmm. Lydia, she's different. Right. You know, we talked about how Adam and Barbara, what they've learned. Like you said, they've learned in death they can live. Yes. Lydia has learned that she can still be strange and unusual and live Mm -hmm. and function in society. Go to school. Do well in school. Mm -hmm. But also have a house. And then come home and have a freaking ghost party. Right. Like, who does? I want this. This is what I desire. I just would like one benign ghost to be in my house. Right. But you can't stay in your room. (laughs) Right. You you can't stay in your room all day. Your life's not a dark room. No. You know, you've got to live. You've got to live. And I think that there is the message in Beetlejuice. Mm -hmm. The message is, whatever your situation is, you've got to be able to live. Yeah. Live in. Yeah. You've got to live and you've got to be productive and you've got to find good and you've got to learn to cope. And I think that that's really, really powerful. It is. I think you have to find what's, you have to find the good. Right. Because you can find bad in any situation. Oh, of course. Lydia had had completely found herself stuck in this dark place. Yeah. The Maitlands were dead and they were just. What, yeah, what do we do? We, what, we're, we're power. We're, they're both powerless in their situations. Yeah, they were powerless. Lydia has no, she, she has no footing with her parents. Yeah, no, her parents. She's not noticed. No, she's not noticed. Uh, Barbara and Adam are powerless in that they are dead. They cannot leave this house. They, losing, have, they feel like their life's being taken from them. Yes, they have to deal with whatever comes into the house. So both, so all three of them are powerless, and yet they find a way to take the power back. Right. Even in their situation where they feel trapped. Right. And the and again, <laughs> the fo- even, yeah. and and again, the force that they encounter <laughs> that helps them see this. <laughs> 
is Beetlejuice. But you know what? Even old Beetlejuice is living. No. He is he's living well, in his own. Like he's like, I'm yeah. not going to give up. I'm going to keep well, trying to get out there. So again, I, you know, who is the story about in any situation? But looking at Beetlejuice, if you want to answer that question, then you have to ask yourself. Who has changed and who has developed in yeah. the story? Mm-hmm. Whether it's for better or for worse. In this case, it was the Maitlands and Lydia. Yeah. This is who Beetlejuice is about. Because <laughs> Beetlejuice, from point A to point B, is Beetlejuice, full yeah. on. Delia and Charles, from point A to point B, are Delia and Charles. Right. Maybe, hopefully, there's a little less of Oto. Uh, Otho. Yeah. There is some hope when, of course, at the end, I think one of the greatest endings of any film... I'll let you explain it because you love it so much. I but do. we get a little bit of hope that maybe, especially when Charles, you know, well, I'll just let you explain it. Go ahead. So, like we like we mentioned, you know, the Maitlands are are kind of they're 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 serving in a parental role. Definitely for for Lydia because well, they're they're putting they're, they're they're rewarding her right for doing well on it was a math test. I think it was a I math believe. test, and you know that's she, what parents do exactly. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, we do, especially at virtual school all day long. Right. Um, <laughs> um, she comes in and, you know, first of all, she, she looks brighter. She does. She, she has sti- her school. I mean, she has her school uniform She on. has her dark edge, which is, which. Which is lovely. Winona Ryder will never get rid of that. Right. She still has her, like, goth queen style, but, like. No, her, but. Her. She she's, looks. Yeah, yeah. She's living. She seems much more healthy. There's yeah. literally life in her face. But make no mistake, the dark goth queen edge is not gone. It shouldn't be. Right. That's who she is. That's who she is. That's her style. We love it. We're here for it. Um. And but then, she needed to lighten up, right? I, yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. I just th- I think it's neat that it's peop- it's what she thought she wanted, which was death. It was death that ended up convincing her to live. Yes, that's good. Um, but so, so she comes in. I did well in math test. She's like, okay, you promised. She's like, all right. So here we hear Harry, Harry Belafonte start playing. Jump in the line. Jump in the line. Yes, and suddenly uh, Lydia's levitating and she's yep. singing. Um. Oh my gosh! It's such a great scene. And they can hear it all over the house, and we and everybody's just like, "Okay, yeah, this this happens." Yeah. Now, now and Charles again. has this moment goes up. She passed math test. So so they're all. It's like there's there's a co-parenting thing going on here. Yeah. It's kind of neat. I yeah, love. Yeah. I mean, they still seem like Charles still seems like you know he's in his study. Yeah. You know, Delia. He's not. He he. Make no mistake. He's not in there dancing no. with her. But, but you know, obviously that, he knew though that there was communication because oh this right. was the deal. But there's hope maybe mm-hmm. that. They're going to be closer as a family because... Because of the Maitlands. Oh, definitely. It's because mm-hmm. of the Maitlands. Because the Maitlands really... I mean, the the real tangible love and nurture and care is between them two. Right. It's because it, well, because well, it began be- with them. Yeah. It, it's it's between them two. And then it transfers from mm-hmm. them to Lydia when, yeah. when they essentially, you know, they... It's like, the, again, they it's like they become her surrogate parents. They just... They develop yeah. a relationship. And then, of course... Along with that ending, parallel to what's going on. I also on. love that the football team shows up dancing too. Yeah, parallel. Yeah, the, that we've seen earlier that died <laughs> in the plane crash, right? Paral- bus, bus uh, crash. Parallel to the celebration in the Deets home mm-hmm. is, of course, Beetlejuice, <laughs> who you know, again, we talked about at the Back end. Back to who, his old tricks. Who's just still up to his old tricks, and you know, lets you know that he's likely going to live to. You know, cause problems another oh, day. Oh, for sure. Which makes us very happy, right? And I think another thing that's interesting about this world is that, um, and and you know, as those of you who are Tim Burton fans, which we obviously are, he there's always an element of death in a lot of his stuff, and and what what's going on after life. And right. interestingly enough, for, especially for the Maitlands, you know, when our point was that they they realize they can live even in death. The world of the dead is like an office. 
Yeah. It's boring and it's like paper pushers and yeah, monotonous. Yeah. And apparently the people who are running the office are people who actually took their own lives. So oh, that's what that's yeah, that according to especially Miss Argentina and what we can surmise from some of the people that are in the mm, office. Okay. They're people who actually took their own lives. So they are working this paper pusher job for I guess eternity. I don't know. But it makes me think though, like they don't ever explicitly say, but that's what Liddy would be looking at. Right. She'd be thinking she's escaping. Did you did you read that? Or I read just, it. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. I read you, so. Well, someone had paid attention to that's all a that, really interesting. And they were yeah. like, it seems to be that people who you know went that way um, ended up kind of being the office workers, like right. the you know IRS you know type people. Yeah. Downstairs, whatever. Um, that's an interesting tech. I mean, they really noticed that. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I I. To be honest, did not pay that close of attention. The only thing right. I did know is that Miss Argentina yeah, did. I didn't. Ma- she, yeah, I didn't make that connection yet. Yeah, only. I mean, she tells us explicitly how she died, right. so that's the only one I ever thought right. about. But um, but again, it just it just points so much more to the Maitlands and them learning to coexist, and the Dietzes learning to coexist because there really was life left for them. Yes, there was, and I think it was giving Lydia the the vibrancy. Not really giving it to her, but really maybe making her see her own that, you know, yes, you can be strange and unusual, but, you know, let your light shine, you yeah. know, like be vibrant, like yeah. live, get out there because you have something to give the world. Exactly. Even you know? if your light is a black light, it's still a light, you yeah. know, I and mean, it like makes, <laughs> it makes things really cool colors. Exactly. You know? It's so true. <laughs> Good. Yeah. I like to think my light is a black light. Yeah. No, I'm too peppy for that. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I can Not dream. always. I can dream. No, I have my I have my creepy dark days. It's fine. Yeah. Um, just be you. Yeah. Just be. Yeah. yeah absolutely. You got to be you. And and you know we all need to see that. We all need that. The the world needs it somehow. The world needs what you have in some way. So don't don't deprive it. Right. Don't deprive the world of you. You know we you need to be out there. You need to be. Um, giving your gift, whatever that is, to uh, to the rest of us. You know, yep. we need each other. I Especially right now. No, I believe that. Absolutely. I believe that we need each other, you know. So, guys, uh want to thank you for listening. You know, if you've been with us this whole time, you know, we want to just say that we appreciate your time. Limited, valuable, very important. And if you spend any of it with us, we greatly appreciate it. Where can they find us on social media? Um, if you are on Instagram, we are at The Tape Store. We're also on TikTok by the same name. If you're on Twitter, we're the Tape Store Pod. And if you'd like to shoot us an email, you're certainly welcome to. We're the Tape Store Podcast at gmail.com. Yes. And I, sorry, I just saw that really interesting <laughs> thing. On, okay. So we're in our living room and this really interesting episode or, or show. Yeah, it's a new, you know, how the net, you know, when you, when you haven't been using your TV and your Netflix screensaver goes on and starts yeah. showing all the name titles. There's this interesting show. We I was both like, what is just that? got taken. We yeah, both like, started looking at it. What is that? Crime okay. scene at something hotel. Oh yeah. I'm, we'll have to look that up. So we'll that's going to happen next. Yeah. yeah. Pretty sure. We'll have to see. All right. So sorry guys. Okay. <laughs> so listen, this has been great. We really appreciate you. We love our listeners. If you like what you hear, if you love what you hear, leave a rating. It means a lot. And that's all I'm going to say about that. We're going to have more great 80s and 90s nostalgia on the Tape Store podcast. And we look forward to seeing you guys when it is showtime next Thursday. And until then, this is Toby. And this is Brooke. Bye, guys. Bye.